Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Welcome to episode four. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. And I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant centric. This week is no different. We're going to be speaking with author and illustrator Sara Botero. Uh, Sara has just released her first book, The Essential Vegan Toolkit. Uh, I would thoroughly recommend it. Having heard uh, Sara speak at the Reading Vegan Festival, I felt compelled to buy a copy of this book. Um, and it is a fantastic guide for uh, people who are kind of vegan curious, new vegans, or even folks who've been vegan for a long, long time. So without further ado, this is me and Sara Botero. First of all, congratulations on the book. Thank you. Absolutely love it. So <laughs> the Essential Vegan Toolkit is the, the name of Sarah's book. Um, so I bought a copy at the Reading Vegan Festival this year. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it was my my pleasure. It's amazing. And um, and it was after like, listening to your talk, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it I think it just offers this, like, it covers, like, an incredible amount of ground in, you know, in, in the book. Like, there's yeah. a huge, like, gamut of subjects. I was, like, bowled over by it. Um, and c- kind of, like, under the, the sort of, the big headers if you like of why and how and then it goes like a a little bit further um and i'd say like even so i've been vegan two and a half years and it's definitely like a a sort of um an invaluable resource that i would keep going back to i'm so Uh, glad (laughs) yeah Yeah. so um and, and have done already um what compelled you to create it in the first place well a bit like you said like um i wanted to be for new vegans i wanted to be a book that um i could have had when i first went vegan but at the same time my aim was also for it to be useful for people who have been vegan for a while and uh, so it's really good to hear that you know you've been vegan for two and a half years and it's still you're finding lots of value from it um because that's exactly what i wanted it i wanted to for it to be a place kind of like a reference guide that you could come back to it and again and again um and help people on their journey because it's it's always a journey you know um some people do go vegan for a year and then for whatever reason stop being vegan so i wanted it to be something that carries on with them through their adventures and journey as a vegan and help them as much as possible um to kind of stay on that on that journey, on that vegan journey, however it might look like for them. Um, so, like you said, there's the there's the why, and I think it's very important because, like with anything in life, we need to have a motivation because if we don't, it's very easy to falter. And we do live in a non-vegan world, so the default is being omnivorous, not vegan. Um, so to have the reasons, you know, what happens to animals in animal agriculture, um, how it impacts the environment, how it potentially can impact our health. Um, just very important to have those those kind of handy in your pocket um, to reach for whenever we're finding it a bit difficult. And what, yeah. what kind of um, compelled you in the first place to become vegan? I know you cover this in the book. Um, I've always wanted to be not always, but since an early age, I've wanted to be vegetarian. Um, Probably my teens, 12, I watched an episode where Lisa goes vegetarian. um, And it just made sense to me. I loved animals so much. Um, And, you know, here was a way of living, being vegetarian, that meant that you didn't have to eat animals that had been killed so they could be on your plate. And, and I very much wanted that. At the time, my parents weren't supportive and I didn't really pursue it. And I, for a long time, I didn't even know what veganism was. Um, and then when I did, it was like no eggs, no dairy, no, 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 anything. Um, I kind of thought, well, that's that's a bit much. Like, it's a bit extreme. Like, yeah. I just thought they were doing it from a point of 
sort of sainty, like I just won't touch anything that's got to do with animals because I I genuinely didn't see what was wrong with milk, eggs. It kind of seemed like surplus or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I never saw myself being vegan. But then I met my first vegan at university, a good friend, Maria. And like just seeing somebody cook, it was easy. It was delicious food. It wasn't a big deal. Um, and then later on doing my own research, finding out, you know, that mothers get separated from their babies and how it's very cruel, the dairy industry and the egg industry. And I thought, well, I'm vegetarian for the animals. Doesn't really make sense to carry on consuming these products that directly have a negative impact. So that was kind of my, it was, it was a long relatively long journey but um their motivation for me was the animals really yeah yeah once once you found different pieces of information was it did you kind of snap in in each of those subjects quite quickly so like once you'd heard about dairy was it like right that's it um it it yes yes and no and that I think the um, the reason why we're not vegan or vegetarians is this dissociation. We see a block of cheese and we just think, oh, that's yummy. Um, we don't actually see, you know, what goes on behind that. And so when I, I watched Dairy Scary, it was a little bit of a switch in that I thought I can't eat cheese and I can't eat milk. So I gave it to my housemate. But I still consumed it in products that they were part of, like, I bought... Um, Maryland cookies or I don't know some other kind of products that had dairy or eggs in them um I didn't consume them in their um, in inverted commas uh, purest form um but over time I did also cut them out I think it was just it kind of you kind of feel a little bit less guilty that you think it's a little there's not that much of it <laughs> right um, yeah. and but over time you kind of found alternatives and you kind of realized actually there's no point me yeah. carrying on yeah yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that disassociation point. Like the the further removed you are, the easier it is. And like, yeah. definitely when it comes to like, like you say, when when it's an ingredient within something, mm. it sort of feels you like, almost well, don't see it. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like it's it feels so infinitesimal. Yeah. in a cookie. Yeah, like it's no big deal, right? Exactly. You know, I'm not. I can't be doing that much. Harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, as you start to think about that. Yeah. And as you start to realize that actually there are alternatives and Mm. you can do without. And a lot of it is habit um, with when it comes to food. And so for me, after a while, it was it was easy to be actually, you know what, I'm I'm going to give it give it up completely. But it it did take a little while. Um, And I think that's also something that I cover in my book that the going vegan or cutting out animal products um looks different for everybody and it happens in different timelines uh, for everybody and i'm not really i don't want people to come from a judging point of view because i you know it took me it took me a while um and but i'm but i'm here now um and some people do it overnight some people it takes longer you know it's kind of it's it's difficult because you know you hear some vegans sort of saying, "Well, if you if you're doing it slowly, like you're not thinking about the animals." And it's to some degree, yes, it, you you kind of are right. Yeah. But we do live at the end of the world, at the end of the world, at the end of the day, in a non-vegan world, and and, and it isn't the mm. easiest. And there's lots of other variables that can make it difficult for somebody to go vegan. So yeah. I think shaming doesn't doesn't really help. No, no, I'd, I'd agree. There's far mm. more forces pressing on you to do that, mm. to live that way, to live that omnivorous w- yeah. life than there is kind of um, pulls, if you like, taking you away from it. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it does take a degree of strength and that yeah. some for some people will take some time to get to. Yeah. Um, and the kind of kindness message, I think, is probably um, more attractive, more likely to, to help people to yeah. get to that place than the message of you're either in or you're out yeah yeah exactly like i have some friends that go oh i think it's really great that you're vegan but i could never give up cheese and i go well you don't have to you can if you think you can give up meat then you can do that like it's not all or nothing kind of thing yeah that's a good start and maybe you can move on from there if if you want to yeah yeah that's really cool so i love this 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 fact that that sort of this thread throughout the book of of the idea that 
you you can at times like uh, really deal with some of the hard hitting facts of each of these the, the kind of animal agriculture mm. aspects of those industries. You don't shy away from those. You say exactly yeah. what they are. Yeah. Um, but you do it with this kind of like this 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 sort of um, there's kind of a, a really nice juxtaposition with the with the artwork. Mm. So there's this like beautiful kind of like cartoon like mm. uh, almost innocent creative um, uh, illustrations that, yeah. that go alongside some really hard hitting facts. Yeah. Was that like a real creative choice? Was that just the art form you enjoyed? I think a bit of both. I think I found it incredibly hard researching for the animal chapter because what what I've included, it doesn't actually encapsulate everything that goes on in the animal Mm. um, and animal agriculture. And um, I did a lot of crying through my research because it's just, I even... You know, as a vegan, you kind of think, oh, yes, lots of horrible things happen. Um, but one thing is knowing that, and then one thing is um, reading reports. And a lot of the times the, the reports that I read are from the animal agriculture. Right. Because they put guidelines in. But yeah. they put guidelines in for really horrendous things. Um, and they're trying to increase the welfare and saying, actually, the numbers of pigs that are that their tails get chopped off has gone down, etc. And like a positive thing. And you think, <laughs> right. well... Actually, this is this is quite horrendous. So it it was very difficult to to read and write the chapters, mm. um, and I didn't want to shy away f- from for fear of scaring people off from the facts because at the end of the day, it is what the animals have to live through, and it yeah. is what they live through, you know, ev- right now, um, yeah, sure. every day. Um, and it wouldn't. It, it it would do a disservice um, to them. Um, and I guess with the illustrations, it is it is kind of my illustration style. Um, I also didn't want to shy away from sharing all the facts, but I I didn't want it to be too traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, reading through the chapters, and um, I wanted it in general. I wanted the book quite to be quite engaging um i wanted it to be for somebody who's already vegan or somebody who's reading or somebody who's interested in veganism and for them to sort of be drawn in through the illustrations um sometimes sometimes quite fun sometimes quite sad but um yeah just for them to be engaged throughout the book i think Um, it it absolutely achieves that 100 percent. like engages people um i'll give you an example so I've had that since I, I I bought the book. I've had it on my kitchen table, mm-hmm. and I'll kind of dip into it yeah. now and then. My wife will, um, my little boy occasionally. He's far too small to read it, but he <laughs> likes the pictures. Oh, I'm glad. Um, yeah. Um, but what I've found is lots of kind of um, omnivorous folk, non non vegans, um, friends and family, mm. um, are kind of drawn in. The the, yeah. the book looks really aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And um, even as they're kind of as they're reading, they've they've they're kind of you can see the sort of almost the the disconnect of like oh I'm yeah. really enjoying the artwork and then yeah. there's like a, oh is that is Shit. that is that a yeah is that yeah. a real fact is yeah. that is that a real thing and then yeah. and it's led to these great discussions yeah um, and one of them in particular I'd love to get your kind of like your view on because it's it it's in fact somebody uh, I, I I went and spoke to somebody today a non-vegan who was talking to me about honey. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of those questions, I think, for like as you're transitioning into the mm-hmm. vegan world, you feel like you need to be equipped with the right answer. I think that's the kind of one of the hardest things of being a new vegan is that people expect you to just have, be a vegan <laughs> encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the, the book gave me exactly that kind mm. of, that kind of answer to have in those, those Tricky kind moments. of discussions. Yeah. yeah. So the, Tell us a little bit about that kind of honey story, because I think for lots of people, that's probably particularly people who are listening to this, who are who are transitioning into veganism. It would probably be one of those questions they want to yeah. ask. I think um, I think you tackle everything as you feel comfortable, whatever you feel you can give up, etc. But I think it tends to be that uh, for me anyway, honey was I think pretty much 
one of the last things to go. And it's not, and I actually don't even enjoy honey. Mm. So it's funny that it stuck around, but I think it is because of that disconnect that um, I think one is bees are sort of seen as sort of insects and maybe they don't feel and they're, they're not as cuddly as cute little piglets and baby cows and that mm. kind of thing. Mm. Um, but the other thing is that you think, well, the bees are in decline and, you know, we need to support our local bee growers and bee production and that kind of thing. And, you know, what's the harm? Um, and arguably, I mean, the guy I spoke to today was telling me that this it's a really good thing mm. that we that we need to do this because obviously the bee being you know, a bee populations are in decline yeah. the whole of humanity is dependent upon them yeah. and therefore the best way to sort of you know keep them in in um in kind of good health if you like yeah. is to buy honey yeah and so i i kind of towards of my vegan the beginning of my vegan journey i was in kind of in two minds of I'm an environmentalist, so I should I be helping the bees? But also, uh, kind of the vegan people say that I shouldn't be eating honey, and I don't even like honey, but I don't really know what to do. Um, and so I was kind of in two minds about it. At the end, I gave it up because I simply thought, just from principle, of that it's it's something that the bees work incredibly hard to make. I don't really enjoy it anyway, you know. I so it was for me. It was kind of easy at the end to give it up. But I I didn't really knew exactly where I stood. Um, and it was only um, listening to a podcast um, by, I don't know if you know, Jonathan Van Ness, yeah. uh, JVN from yeah. Quero. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got a podcast called Getting Curious. And he had a um, specialist, a bee specialist on. Sure. Yeah. And they were talking about the bee population and what they should be doing and da, da, da. And he went on to say that, I can't remember exactly the, the the numbers, but it's something like there are thousands and thousands of different species of bees, um, and they come in all shapes and sizes. You got black bees, you got purple bees. They they they're an amazing um, creature, and of those thousands and thousands in the world, there's only about six honey um, honey bees that create honey in the way that we know, um, and really only one of those we know as the honeybee in sort of western um the western world and and so when i kind of put them to spray i was like whoa i didn't i didn't know that at all and i started doing more research and yes the turns out the honeybee their numbers are fine um it is the other thousands and thousands of different bees that are in decline um, and are at risk. And those are the bees that we don't, kind of the bumblebee. We see the bumblebee and the bumblebee doesn't make honey like like the honeybee does. Um, but they're good pollinators or there's other bees where they uh, burrow into the ground um, and they nest sort of solitary. Um, and there's, you know, there's so many bees that we just don't see. We don't see what's going on. Um, and I guess went into a bit of rambling. Um, what I'm saying is that the honeybees that produce honey that we see in the shelves aren't at risk. It's all the other bees that are. And by actually subsidizing for the honeybee, subsidizing honeybees, um, we're actually creating competition for the other bees um, that for food, um, and not only for food, but as well because of the how intensively produced honey is. Um, there are things like parasites, diseases, and those can then spread to other native bees and create risk that way. Um, so there, there really isn't um, a reason and to be subsidizing honey making for environmental reasons. And something I read in, in an article online, it's kind of like thinking that, um, let's say, the kingfisher um, is in decline. Um, I'm not sure if it is, but just hypothetically. Yeah, sure. But is in, um, it's at risk. Um, the, the population is going down. Um, and we grow chickens because they're birds. 
and we think we're helping the sure. bird population and it's it's no it's it doesn't doesn't work out that way um so it's been really great to have that information at hand um and as well because you know not only because it's actually is misspreading information that it's actually helping the bees when it's actually not helping the bees um but i also read this amazing book uh called the bees and it's uh, the perspective of a worker bee flora and the hierarchy of bees how they work how they use their body to communicate the distance um the you know from the sun if there's any predators to other bees how complex they are how how hard they work for the bee that they produce the bee the honey that they produce to survive through the winter and then for us to take it away and replace it with a sugar substitute or with less honey that they you know that they need it it is not it's not fair at all so in in animal rights point of view in the environmentalist point of view it's just and in health aspects i researched and they the honey does have some micronutrients but they're so traced that they're actually only designed to be beneficial to the bees um they, funnily enough funnily <laughs> enough yeah it, nature nature works very well in that yes it's sugar and you know, sugar gives us energy. But apart from that, there's no other nutrients, health benefits. So for either front, it's not really helping the bees, the planet or us. It's interesting this point you make about um, that ultimately kind of anything that can be kind of monetized, if you like. Um, Funny enough, the populations of that thing are fine. Yes, exactly. Like sometimes I've had people argue, um, to me and oh but if we stop eating cows they're you know they would go extinct and I go well so what there are thousands and thousands of species of insects and other animals that have gone extinct because of animal uh, directly because of animal agriculture and nobody is saying anything about it or worrying about it the only reason that you would care that the cow goes extinct is because they're yummy <laughs> yeah yeah um, and they benefit you know mm. us uh, humans in some ways yeah certainly financially <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah um so the the question and answer section of the book i absolutely loved like being um mm-hmm. um having having gone through the kind of the vegan journey over the last couple of years every single one of those questions was like pulled from a, a moment within those <laughs> two years and <laughs> like is it couldn't be more accurate oh um, i'm so glad <laughs> because it was also hard because i like you said i i, I did cover a lot and I realized that now um and all the time it was supposed to be 150 pages but I kept right. thinking oh I want to add this I want to add that um and it's there's always more that I could I could have added but it's it's good to know that what I did add has brought value oh huge huge value particularly yeah. particularly the the Q&A bit and I was, I was kind of looking through them recently and um in in fact because of uh, I'd, I'd seen um, a fair bit in the the media particularly around like avocados and almonds in particular yeah. the kind of water usage the travel that goes into mm-hmm. into those and and then people kind of saying well you know if i eat locally sourced grass fed yeah whatever it is animal product then mm. surely that's better than yeah. than than, um, than your avocado or your almond and i'd just love to like get your kind of thoughts firsthand on on that yeah i think i think Sometimes people use that as a genuine argument and that they do worry about the resources that are used. And I think, you know, fair enough. Um, however, a lot of the times it it is used as a defense, sort of a defensive argument to say, well, I buy organic meat from down the farm and you use mobile phones and you eat avocados and you eat almonds. So get off your high horse. Not that we would be because... but um yeah metaphorically (laughs) higher horse um and in that regards it's not it's not helpful in in any way shape or form but also if we do look into it um there was a study done by the oxford university and the the researcher um through his you know studies and researching and creating this paper um ultimately went vegan um because of everything that he found out um and he says that even 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 leading a vegan life that um you know you're eating foods that are transported 
from faraway places in package in packaging etc because you know other people would be like oh well i get my meat from the butchers and i bring my own tupperware so even taking into account distance packaging processing it is still um the ecological carbon footprint is still smaller um to be vegan than it is to eat meat that so that's good to know. It doesn't mean that we can't um, buy locally, produce when we can, and be mindful of always trying to reduce our impact um, wherever we can do. Um, if that is, you know, buying oat milk over almond milk, um, but it doesn't mean that it should be used as a as an argument against veganism, um, because you know we can always do better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, again, it comes back to that idea of like almost absolutism. Like, I'm either, you're either completely perfect, yeah, or or you know, there's no point. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't I, really work like that. No, no. I think I think we should be somewhere in the middle of. We're always working on it with the information that we have, um, kind of where we can in our lives make those changes. And once we know that, um, that you know this. Maybe maybe if you buy avocados from Peru or you buy a lot of quinoa or you buy and you realize the the impact it has on the local environment and how you know modern slavery is really a, a big thing um, and we can minimize and we can swap to something else if we can do it then then there's no reason to to do it it's just it's kind of like sometimes sometimes people go oh well. I'm not being because there's more important things to be worrying about. And it's like, yes, there are lots of things, but it's not a, you don't get to just pick one cause. You can be vegan and also very much care about um, human rights and be wanting to better yourself in multiple ways. And in fact, going vegan has allowed me to kind of broaden my circle of how I impact um, mm. and how my actions do have a consequence. Um, and that kind of has led me, because, you know, when you go vegan, you realize that, yes, the the animals that you consume do have an impact. They they have had to die for you to, for them to be in your plate. And the same thing with other things that we consume um, in that, for example, I learned again like you said like you watch a documentary about veganism and that helped you i watched a documentary on the um, the true cost of fashion um and i never realized um just what went on right and after i did i thought actually i don't really want to be part of this mm. kind of like how i watched dairy is scary and i said i don't want to be part of this um the dairy industry um and so i i, I think veganism can be a really big tool to widen people's circle of compassion as it were yeah that totally totally with you on that point there's um if i think back to like my journey a similar sort of similar sort of story i guess but i, I remember looking into um bank accounts mm. and um you know i had a bank account like most people do that they were enticed into when they were a student because they yeah. got a really nice overdraft or they got some cash back or whatever yeah and um wasn't until sort of after i'd become vegan i started to then look at kind of other aspects of my life like my energy providers and so yeah. on and um i looked into like the financial reporting for my bank for the year mm. and realized that they invested a huge sum of money into fossil fuels yeah and it was kind of like a complete like light bulb moment for mm. me i thought is that is that a thing and it, the more i thought about it, it was like, well, obviously it's yeah. a thing like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have to invest money somewhere and they invest it in industries that make money so mm. that's what they do and then i looked for an alternative and yeah like you say it's not you don't have to restrict yourself to one cause no exactly and, th and that and it's good that you brought it up because I've been thinking about this and I I bank with HSBC mm. and I know through recently um, that, yes, they do invest mm. um, heavily in non-renewable 
energy and like you said you kind of think well actually do i want to be part of that and mm. no and that is something that i probably will take away from this um then ask you later where you bank <laughs> <laughs> it was triodos actually okay. was the bank that i found but mm. but that that sort of information just just isn't in the sort of no, mainstream psyche is it, it isn't it isn't and i think veganism does make you rightly so a lot more skeptical yeah. and you do a lot more of your own research because you kind of think well actually let's let's look yeah. into this you, you start to question things i think because yeah. it's i guess like at, at its core veganism is um something that challenges the very rituals that are set in place by our families when we are you know born very much so and like um kind of like i said in the talk that it's kind of i i realized that a lot of the things that i thought you know had been told to me by my parents by my school they were just simply not true and kind of how the dairy industry um uh, subsidized no invested in the sort of the campaign mm. where you know you'd give kids one glass of milk a day and yeah. it's just sort of like for your healthy bones when actually research shows that actually that doesn't really correlate um and and so you know all this information that we've been given and it is driven again mm. by profit yeah. um and so you kind of go oh okay all these things that i trusted in information actually um I'm, I'm not as trusting as i yeah. as i used to be um and i i think ultimately it's a really good thing to be challenging and to be asking questions yeah. about how things are done and because why should they carry on being done just because they've always been done that way yeah i i, I think that's why it makes it so so sort of difficult sometimes the transition particularly with the people closest to them yeah because they're ultimately challenging you know i think there's a there's a perception that if I'm if I'm saying to my parents like I don't want to eat meat anymore mm. uh, or dairy or whatever, that I'm challenging you know the belief system that they instilled in me. Yeah, and that's really difficult for people to sort of like for parents to to deal with. Definitely, it's almost like you're saying you parented me wrong. Yeah. You're not. You're not. But it does. I think it can potentially feel like that for them. Yeah. Um, I think I think in that case you kind of just have to do you, um, <laughs> yeah. and kind of say no, no, like you obviously you did you did what you thought was right because they did they went yeah. on with it and if I hadn't found out about veganism I probably would have done the same thing with my kids yeah um, and so we just do the best that we can with the information that we have at the time yeah um, well exactly and I think that's that comes back to this thread of like. Uh, of kind of kindness if you like that mm. I, that I certainly picked up really loudly and clearly throughout yeah. your book yeah is this this kind of idea of being kind to those around us yeah um, and the idea that kind of information um, kind of hits us all at different stages completely so it, whether it be the banking thing we just talked mm. about our parents etc on yeah. the note of the parents thing actually I heard a great kind of argument to kind of help if you like people who are who are struggling with mm. kind of parents who perhaps feel a bit almost rejected. Yeah. And, and it was kind of, um, it, I had never thought about it like this before, but it was kind of almost the, you know, you've raised me to challenge. You've raised me to have yeah, positive, really... yeah, like a positive challenging of, of and questioning of yeah. things. Yeah, and of like growing and bettering myself and, you know, that yeah. you've created me as I am. And so me going out into the world and, questioning things and finding out and learning more and you know it's kind of part of it i really like that yeah yes. yeah it really it, I, i'd literally this was about two weeks ago i'd heard mm. this and i thought i i wish i'd heard that a couple of years ago yeah um you know because it would have been, you know i certainly felt a little i mean i was a, a lot older i wasn't sort of like living at home or anything yeah. like that but but still there was a, an element of resistance particularly around those sort of ritual moments you know whether it be mm. christmas or easter or somebody's yeah. birthday or something yeah it almost feels i think sometimes family can feel like a bit begrudging that you're sort of trying to make things difficult when that's the last thing where we well no. me as a people pleaser like that's the last <laughs> thing i want to do is make things difficult but it you know you get to a certain point where you think actually this is not i'm not okay with participating you you do you um but it's just this is but that's the thing with veganism that a lot of the times um we're kind of saying uh you do you i'm doing me like 
this is just what is important to me and this is just what I'm doing and that's the kind of stance that I take with all my friends but you know you say that and people still come at you like you've said something completely different like how sure. could you how could you be killing animals like because <laughs> they they kind of almost hear it without it being said not that you're thinking it or anything but people do get very defensive when you say that you're vegan or that yeah. you don't need animal products or they take it as an attack yeah i've i found with, no i, I think know. that's a fairly like common experience mm. I, do, do you think that that's born out of perhaps a kind of like um i, I almost want you to prove it to me i want you to to tell me why i should do it there's sort of almost uh i i think i think it's kind of like if i go back to when i wasn't vegan is i think I saw myself as an animal lover and to then see somebody else who also classifies themselves as an animal lover but then doesn't eat this, doesn't eat this because the reason is is that it's harmful to animals. It indirectly challenges your own perception of yourself as an animal lover and you kind of you kind of have to question, well, like why do I do these things? That, so you kind of have to find ways to defend why you have this 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 ethic of being an animal lover, but this kind of duality that you also eat them or eat products that directly harm them, um, and then and then then it's something. It's more like you're kind of having an internal battle with yourself but then you use the person in front of you to kind of yeah portray that yeah i think you're spot on yeah, yeah. it's almost like yeah ch challenge these views for me because i probably innately somewhere feel a little uncomfortable with that idea like, yeah i'm an animal lover but i know i eat animals i don't feel particularly comfortable with that yeah. so if I, i'm gonna like push it to its logical conclusion with you yeah like can you yeah. can you bear it out for me one way or the other yeah yeah and i i sometimes find that the friends that are the most defensive um are the ones that sometimes come around the quickest because the reason yeah. that they're so defensive is because it does really challenge them mm. and it upsets them um and then as soon as they kind of run through all the different arguments a lot of the times they kind of fall into the yeah actually it would be nice to be vegan or that would kind of align with what I believe, but at the moment it's too hard for X, Y, Z or whatever. Yeah. Um, or they go, I'm going to start cutting out things or whatever. Um, but again, I think I would have found it very annoying. And this is just from a completely ego point of view that had I gone vegan and then my friend go sort of tells other people like, oh, I turned her vegan or kind of <laughs> takes claim over that. Um, and I think because ultimately... We don't want anyone to control us and we want to feel like we are responsible for all our decisions. Yeah. And we are like nobody can make us do anything. So, yes, that person might have given you lots of information, inspiration. Um, but at the end of the day, when we make a decision, it's coming from us. No one can make us go vegan. Yeah. Ultimately, it is our decision. Um, and I think we always want to sort of hold on to that. Yeah. Yeah, that autonomy is like incredibly yeah. important to each one of us, isn't it? That, yeah. That sort of um, individuality and mm -hmm. kind of um, a liberation, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is ironic considering the, yeah. <laughs> the kind of, <laughs> we don't necessarily feel like that about other species. But, yeah, you know, kind of that's the, the nature of the world we live in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how do you balance this idea of like activism? Because you talk about this in the book, this mm -hmm. this idea of like, almost almost i saw this when i read it as like the next stage like yeah i now feel in a pretty comfortable place yeah uh, as a vegan myself but i yeah. feel like i want to get involved from an activism point of view how do you balance that with the idea of this this thread of kind of kindness and acceptance i think um i think i also introduced introduce only the activism chapter one because i think it, it's a i just like any type of activism uh, that is creating positive change. But I think it's it can also um, 
from not a selfish point but from a beneficial point for the person doing the activism is that once we do go vegan we find out all these horrendous facts and we kind of start thinking about how you know animals are being killed right now in this very moment and hundreds and hundreds and there's so much suffering going on right this minute and it can feel very overwhelming and it can feel very alienating especially if you don't have you know vegan friends or family or whatever you can feel very alone in in this kind of suffering um and so i think then activism can be a, a very powerful tool um to not feel um that we can't do anything about it mm. um and so i think i think we can be kind through our activism in the sense that you know, shaming is never really going to help. Um, I mean, it might do to some people, but it's not something that I I, I like. Um, but I think there are ways of simply putting out the information out there that a lot of us aren't aware of um, in regards to animal agriculture so that people can then do what they like having that information because you know i didn't have that information for a long very very long time and so simply the act of using activism to spread awareness mm. um and that can be you know I, I it can be done in a very kind way because it's just putting it out there and and seeing how people respond to it um and for some people you know, some people share very graphic footage and for some people it works, but then also for some people, I think we should be also very wary of sharing footage when, you know, we're just having a nice time scrolling through Facebook and we may not be aware that some people suffer from PTSD, some people have anxiety, some people have depression, some people, you know, are going through things that we can't possibly imagine. And then for very graphic footage to you know, arrive into our, into our little bubble, um, without warning, it can have detrimental impact on people's mental well-being. Um, so I think, you know, in kindness in that aspect would be putting a trigger warning to, so that people can consent to saying, yes, I want to, I want to find out what is going on in this footage. I want to, you know, or they might go, I, don't think I can handle it right now um, but then ultimately it is down to them and we're not taking away that kind of right to choose um, so that's kind of kindness um, and ultimately remembering that I think as a vegan you know you went vegan then you find out all this information then you start on your vegan journey and then there's a learning curve where you're learning all about ingredients and this and that and making new food and making new friends and then after a while it just becomes the new norm and you go well being vegan is easy and it is like for me I find it easy but it it wasn't always like this there was a learning curve and I didn't always have this knowledge and I didn't always feel this comfortable in my veganism um and there was times where the pre-being vegan that I ate every animal product imaginable under the earth and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, and it's remembering that for the majority of us, you know, there are some people who have been vegan, vegetarian from, from birth, but for the majority of us, um, we were there. Mm. Um, and it was our life. And, you know... It, it, I would probably gotten very pissed off if somebody started having a go at me yeah. um, because that's just our kind of um, human nature is to get yeah. defensive and go, whoa, 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 you know, why are you having a go at me? Um, and we probably would just shut down and not really hear what is being said. And I guess that's when the kindness of... And it can be very frustrating as a vegan or an activist when you know of all the horrible 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 things that go on um to have kindness towards but at the end of the day you know humans are animals too and it's not individually each human's fault what is going on it's kind of society and we're all kind of 
born out of that. Um, and yeah, I guess just kind of remembering that we were all in that place at one yeah. point and we wouldn't have, I, I would definitely wouldn't have taken it very kindly, if, very nicely if somebody just started having a go of me. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it, and it's, uh, I've, I spoke about this in our, in our, in my conversation with Chris in the, in the sort of first episode about this, that exact idea of as you go through the, you know, down the rabbit hole, we described it and mm. you find out more and more and more and you become more and more passionate because of what you've seen and what you've learned. And um, it then becomes quite difficult to not want to, especially if it, 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 I find ironically, the more I kind of care about people, the, the less I want them to, yeah. to take part in that. Yeah. So I find that that always a challenge to balance the, you know, wanting to be supportive and kind and gentle in their, their sort of discovery of that information, yeah. respectful of their autonomy and so on. Mm balancing that with the passion and the fervor i feel for yeah us not doing this damage that we're doing yeah exactly because on on the one hand you know that kindness and uh, not being aggressive and it's the best approach and then on the other hand we've got the fact that hundreds in this very you know very moment hundreds and thousands of animals are being killed right now and you kind of think well there's no time to waste exactly yeah. <laughs> um you know the sooner the better yeah. and um you kind of just you, the thing is i think the suffering is not always in your mind because i think it would be difficult to live live our life but it yeah. is much more present and i kind of described it to a friend how when you stop differentiating between different animals and the dissociation kind of lessons in that you see you know sausage or pork pie and you see the pig mm. it's kind of like i said to him it's kind of like if you went to a shop and you saw packages and packages of um dog meat mm. and you see them and you know that maybe it's the same breed of dog that you have yeah um and you see them, you see them, you see them in all shapes and forms and you see people enjoying them, you see people eating them and you kind of think, you know, if you actually put yourself in that situation where you're surrounded by people eating dog meat, you would go like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, stop, guys, what are, you know, what are you doing? Um, whereas, obviously, we live in a world where it's, it's normal to eat. Yeah. Um, pigs and chickens but why is there any different from a dog and and it isn't but you know society kind of has taught us that it is it's okay um but i think as a vegan that's why sometimes it can be a little bit hard to put forward the the kind kindness um because it can sometimes feel like we're putting the kindness over the animals but i don't think we are because at the end it's if we get aggressive and it's not it's also not going to turn people vegan mm. quicker it's not going to help the animals i don't know i think it's it's a, it's a very tricky line of how assertive to be in your it is, <laughs> it? yeah it really is and I, and i think um although you know their message is um extremely non-violent mm. i think this is there's almost that um uh, it, the message of Extinction Rebellion and the Animal Rebellion has kind of been made, certainly in the public, um, in the public viewpoint, the media, etc., has been made uh, an aggressive stance, even when, in fact, it's not in the main. There may mm. have been isolated incidents, but I think yeah. overall the organisation is a non-violent, is a non-violent one. The message is clear there. Completely. Um, but there's certainly a sense, I think, in mainstream media, certainly I, I just thinking of conversations I've heard, mm. you know, around and about, just going about my yeah. daily life where people have almost painted those activists as some sort of um, extreme, extreme or yeah. stoppage or some sort of aggressive move in stopping daily life, mm. you know? Yeah, and I think, and it, it would be funny if it wasn't so if our climate situation wasn't so dire, but the fact mm. that people view it as a disruption, as a, an annoyance, yeah. when 
we're just trying to say, hey, people, you know, we're heading into a, we're already, and people already are dying um, because of climate change. And let's do something about it because, you know, not having water, not having running water, not having food, not having, that's a, that's a, that's a more of a disruption than, you know, being late to work. But um, it's, I guess it's also society and the government in general that it's kind of easier to turn around and point at the other humans and be like, oh, you're getting in my way instead of going, actually, the system is a little bit fucked and it's not not really working. Um, and, and we're basically the messages of being, hey, you know, things aren't great. We should do something about it and we should get the government to do something about it. And instead of people going, yeah, we need to challenge the government. Something needs to be done. Um, they go, oh, you're being so annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's easier to turn on each other than it is sort of challenge the government and society and the system. Yeah, it's like challenging the fire alarm rather than the fire. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like and the... The, the the people sounding the alarm are not necessarily where the focus of our, our frustration should be. Yeah, I should do a, a little comic on that, on the fire alarm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are, are you ultimately optimistic that with the right level of kind of information, we can make the changes on either on an individual or, or, a, or a, a large scale that we need to make? Um. Yes and no. Um, no in that climate change is already claiming, you know, hundreds and thousands of lives and many activists um, are, it's, it's, it's already very dire. Mm. Um, mm. So not in that respect, in that we're already, we're already kind of in it. And we're pressing it's, we're, on with that one, aren't we? We're, we're already a little bit... Yeah. Um, uh, what's the non uh we're a little bit fucked i didn't know how to say that <laughs> in a nice way um and so not in that regard but i think humans are the the trouble is that humans are very ingenious when we want to be but at the moment you know in the uk in 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 places where it's not climate change is not being felt people are not going to change because it's not being felt and they carry, they'd rather carry on with their lives than to change and be a little bit uncomfortable now for a better future because I think that's just the way that we are wired, that it's more about what is happening right now rather than... And it's how politics works, that it's not long-term, it's very much what is happening right now and how it's impacting me. Um, so I, I am mixed in that we do have the capacity to get together and make great changes and do things differently uh, i i just don't i don't know whether we will do quick enough for i don't know i i'm 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 t- to be honest i'm not terrified i just see it as the, this this oh, sort of scary future and it's um hopefully i'll be going to do a master's next year and i'm kind of seeing it as more of okay, a lot of horrible things are going to happen, food shortages. It's kind of like, what are we going to do to then um, Mm. solve these issues that are already happening? We're already seeing um, with, like, I I shop from a, sometimes, from a zero-waste store, and you see shortages of certain foods. They send emails. And that's because the places where they're grown, there's drought. Um, and, And this is, right now and it's just gonna get worse and worse so i i don't know i not not that hopeful actually <laughs> sorry <laughs> well no, no i think you, you've got a, a pretty pragmatic sense of it like it, it this i think it, it would be naive of us to sort of um and and almost is part of the problem that we see this as mm. an impending issue yeah rather than an issue that is actually it's happening an hour now. Issue. Yeah. yeah so i think you're, you're right to kind of call that out um i think it's it's damage limitation is probably what the place we're in right now. yeah that's a good word and i think also as humans we're kind of just always hoping that this sort of magical thing will come along and be like oh we've made this amazing machine that's going to capture the carbon in the atmosphere Mm. and actually we're okay that's not going to happen um 
we are going to have to do the sort of nitty gritty work of behavior change within our society. That is what is going to really shift things along. It's not going to be some fancy new technology um, that kind of comes along and saves the, the day because that's not that's not really going to happen. No, I think it's incumbent upon all of us, mm. really. To and, yeah. and, and I think that's probably where I, I, I agree with you, but I do have a sense of optimism insofar as mm. when I see um, Extinction Rebellion, Animal Rebellion, people out, you know, in force on the streets, making making a noise, wanting yeah. their voices to be heard. And, and also I see, I see veganism being monetized. Mm. In a sort of strange way that although it's not systematic change, mm. it sort of tells me that the system is uh, is working out. There is a way to monetize this. And that that gives me some hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think not to burst your bubble, but I, <laughs> you're going to burst my bubble. So. Not, not really. It's just that I think I think I thought that at some point about kind of the system seeing, oh, you know, there's there's veganism and we can make money from it and ultimately the animals would benefit but kind of with what i've seen with you know burger king and some other companies is that it tends to be companies that aren't vegan they see the market in veganism and they just expand um and so they carry on with their and i think ultimately yeah we could the demand and supply would change but I think we can't buy our way. And I think that's kind of what society, capitalism, whatever, wants to tell us that we can buy our way out of and we can change the system yeah. through. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, our money does count as a vote. Um, and so whenever possible, I try and support companies that are, you know, vegan as they are, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and ethical companies that you know pay their workers and um, all these kind of things, but I think again it goes back to it's kind of going to be down to people to change and not just kind of buying our way out of yeah buying our way out of it. But I am, I am, I don't want. I am hopeful in that. I am thankful that climate change is kind of at the forefront and it is being talked about it just i think i just get scared that it's just another little passing thing and we just kind of have to keep at it sure yeah um and 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 also it should have and it's also very frustrating because it's been around for 60 70 years and yeah. there's already protests back then and nothing happened it's just so it's it's just all of this should have happened a long time ago and yeah. we shouldn't we shouldn't really be in this predicament but i do have hope in people at yes. the end of the day yeah yeah if if not on mass as individuals who can then form in not in not in not the kind of society and capitalism and the government yeah. and not in them so much as more i do feel like people will get together and there is i think as well i i'm very much interested in community projects and and i think that's when it gives me hopes when it you sort of see people you know nobody's telling them to do bike kitchens or repair cafes or hack space or there's lots of things going on in reading yeah. um but they're just doing it um and that's when that's when i feel a lot happier yeah 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 well, or like you said, like um, uh, Hans Abatos, you know, nobody's, yeah. nobody's telling them to go out and prevent um, foxes and badgers and getting killed. But, you know, they 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 see it, that it's happening and they, they want to do something about it and they go out and they do it. Yeah. So I think that's that's when I people organizing and getting together and making a difference just through their own initiative. And then that that does make me very happy well i think you're certainly inspiring lots of people to take individual action hopefully start to um collaborate through your book so a, a big thank you for creating it and a big thank you for talking to me today oh it's been a pleasure thank you for having me no problem thanks so much sarah